Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I mean, we all have gripes with Rand, but if he became the face of the Republican Party, that's a huge upgrade from, you know, where it has been for sure. I I don't know if that could happen, but, you know, I think it's possible. I don't know if he, yeah, it's kind of interesting because over the last couple of years, he really kind of has risen to be a superstar. And uh, when it comes to like the Fauci stuff, because yeah. I mean, you millions of views, everybody's waiting for those clips to come out where he was tearing him a new one. Um, honestly, if that is the future of the Republican Party, I'm very, very optimistic in that regards. Although, you know, make no bones about it. Rand isn't perfect on foreign policy, but leaps and bounds better than mostly everybody else. Um if that's the new face, I'm all for it. Um, I, I just don't foresee that being it. I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I think it's I feel like since Texas. the Republicans like just got kind of doused in cold water with because they thought, oh, red wave, we're going to absolutely murder everybody and take over everything. And they just didn't. Maybe, you know, maybe we can insert some energy here like, hey. Look at these guys who did really well because Rand Paul even tweeted something out about how he and Thomas Massey and like every liberty leaning Republican That's won by yeah. huge margins. Um, so maybe we can try to goad the Republicans in that direction. I don't know. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay. I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 151, and multiple return guests to the show. I got Reed, Pat, and Connor with me today, and uh, we're just going to kind of shoot the shit on the uh, midterms. So um, a little bit off air, we were talking about Blake Masters and Mark Victor, and this has been something that I think everyone's been a little conflicted on, myself included, but... um there's a lot that's not being talked about in the race. And I think I want to throw it over to Connor first, because he's definitely probably been one of the most insightful people on this. And then we can kind of go around and everyone can give their opinions on it. So uh, Connor, go ahead, take it away. Yeah. um, I mean, honestly, as far as the master's thing goes, uh, my personal opinion on it is that it was uh, an oversight by certain people in leadership. um, And, uh, you know, and Dave throughout the endorsement, I was honestly surprised uh, so we, you know, we've all met uh, Mark Victor, Reed and I have interviewed with him and we're not, I mean, I, uh, I think Reed's recent interview of him was pretty enlightening and, and was the best thing I've heard him do. 
um, when he's been actually, you know, asked about what his policies were. I mean, he was not an ideal candidate by any stretch. He wasn't great on foreign policy, uh, and that's putting it lightly. He made some mistakes throwing out the age of consent comment and um, obviously his relationship with Mattis um compromised him in, in that conversation during the debate about wokeness in the military which is kind of a ridiculous subject anyway it's just kind of a distraction but yeah. you know uh masters i think it was a big mistake for him to be endorsed by dave just because you know the guy is a very uh ardent zionist extremely pro-israel uh anti-iran he's very anti-china if you read his campaign page the guy is talking about how we have to have a, you know essentially global supremacy in the air on land in the sea uh and even in space as he says we need to have the most technologically capable you know military and armed forces parenthetically but while keeping defense contractors at bay which if it was like a joke if this was like babylon b or the onion that would have been great but it wasn't it was a guy that got endorsed by dave smith for fucking senate um and so um you know the big problem i think with uh masters especially is that you know i mean the guy is the protege of peter thiel who is a longtime multi-decade cia nsa fbi pentagon contractor the founder of palantir um which you know i mean condoleezza rice and george Tenet, former director of the cia have been advisors uh, major advisors to the company and so you know this is a essentially a, a national security state billionaire oligarch who is influencing people like Joe Kent and J.D. Vance and Blake Masters, who he's poured, I guess, somewhere between 10 and I've seen somewhere $15, billion, $15 million into his campaign. And if you read his policies, um, they match up with uh, financial interests that Thiel has. Um, and there's a great piece about this because I won't remember all the details, but I recommend people go to, it's from last year, Responsible Statecraft, the Quincy Institute's uh, magazine online magazine by Eli Clifton. It's called Peter Thiel's Military Industrial Candidate. And mm -hmm. if you read it, I mean, the guy's border policies uh, and his China policies are basically designed to profit Peter Thiel at the expense of individuals' rights, uh, our finances. I mean, obviously, this new Cold War with China is going to bankrupt. Well, we're already bankrupt, but I mean, this is a trillion-dollar project. Uh, it's the primary excuse for spending what we're getting close to now. I mean, almost, if you take Robert Higgs's rule of seeing the real def military budget as twice the uh, nominal defense budget, we're getting close to spending almost $2 trillion a year at this point, uh, or just a couple hundred billion under that. Um on the empire and China is always the excuse always, especially for the air force and the Navy. Um, and so bringing in a guy like this and endorsing him when he is, you know, he can throw out some, you know, nice things he wants to say about uh, foreign policy that are just kind of boilerplate slogans and almost seem like they were cooked up, um, you know, by like a PR firm or something. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy supports sanctions on Russia. He wouldn't, I mean, nobody when Ron and Dan, Ron Paul and Dan McAdams, who, you know, of course we all admire when they interviewed him and when Dave Smith interviewed him, they did not get any significant concessions as far as I'm concerned on foreign policy, particularly when it came to sanctions, because he wouldn't rule out the use of sanctions, uh, even though he admitted that they're acts of war. Uh, he said that the problem with, you know, Biden's sanctions on Russia was basically that they were too 
he he you, he implemented too many sanctions too fast, uh, but he wasn't opposed to them in principle. But no one followed up and asked him, okay, since you run on Donald Trump's foreign policy legacy, how do you feel about sanctions on North Korea, Iran, Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, uh, China, you know, go down the list, um, you know, Nicaragua, what are we you know, what is your actual foreign policy and what and where what economic wars would you would you support? Would you be opposed to in the Senate and which ones would you favor? Because clearly there's, you know, you do support sanctions. So they didn't get any concessions there. I mean, the guy still supports all the tariffs on China. He said we should never have the conceit of free trade with China because they're a bunch of commies and they're a dictatorship and there's no such thing. Um, and he even talked about to Dave Smith about how we have to make sure that because Taiwan is how it starts. But next thing you know, uh, there's uh, Chinese ships, uh, um, you know, getting ready to invade us, uh, you know, um, building up on the California coast. And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, it's just it's outrageous, I think, to endorse a guy like that. And the real problem is I don't think enough people have appreciated the conflict of interest uh, that Masters has. And I think honestly, I think it would be wise for the uh, endorsement to be rescinded. I know that doesn't look good, but honestly, it's one of those things where if you if you made a mistake, I think you have to kind of um, either rectify it. Or at least come forward and say why you made this decision instead of just ignoring those issues I just brought up or just saying, well, he's read Rothbard, he's read Mises, you know, and uh, isn't that enough for you people? I mean, come on, we're all on board for this guy, right? Because, I mean, a lot of us weren't. Um, but, you know, there were factions and we all know a lot of these sort of right wing uh, libertarians, these DeSantis fans and these post libertarians who were very in favor of guys like Masters. Um, but I think the four of us have been much more skeptical. And I just think that at this point, it's very unfortunate because it seems like unless something is done about that, Dave kind of owns uh, Blake's legacy, whatever he does now in the Senate. Um, because, you know, I agree with the uh, – my chair is messing up. Uh, the uh, the uh, Kingmaker strategy, I think, has some value to it. But I think this one, like debuting it in this race, was strategically unwise because it's a long-term liability depending on what Blake actually does if he wins. And – it's kind of up in the air now. It looked like he was going to get destroyed uh, early on after polls closed last night. But, I mean, we just checked before we went on, and he's like 4 or 5% away from tying it with Kelly. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of like you were laying out there, the big thing is going to be China over the next couple of years. And I know that I probably sound like a broken record at this point. But um, it's just like you guys always say, nobody's really talking about this. Um, Pat, you seem to kind of be in agreement with most of that um, stuff as well. So if you have anything to add. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly I understand the argument that, um, I mean, basically, when it comes to Blake Masters, I understand the lesser of two evil arguments, and I just don't really, I mean, I kind of agree with Dave DeCamp on this point, is that it's just like, well to a full-throated endorsement of the guy. I just don't really understand. But I think it does bear mentioning, though, that Peter Thiel donated to Ron Paul and was a large Ron Paul donor, too. So I, I think when we're thinking about it, we have to try to keep things in perspective uh, because, I don't know, unless you want to re-examine the whole Ron Paul revolution and his origins and where he stands, which um, I guess isn't beyond reproach, and I think that can be useful at times. But... I, I don't think a serious um, analysis would would really fault Ron Paul for accepting donation money from Peter Thiel. 
Um, so it, it's it's all really complicated. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Just to clarify really quick, because that's an important point. I forgot that the primary difference is, I think, Master's relationship with Thiel and the fact that his right. policies will stand to benefit the business interests of Thiel. It's not as if when Ron got the money from Thiel, which I, I don't know how much it was, but I've heard it was millions of dollars. It wasn't like Ron changed his policies. Um, yeah. And guys like him, particularly Thiel, are, um, you know, they put money into various kinds of uh political movements and outlets and things and you'd be surprised where his money ends up but uh in the case of blake it's it's it, it it's a much more of a conflict of interest kind of thing uh, where it seems more corrupt um pretty blatantly whereas with ron i think it's just like um i mean who knows i mean i if i was i mean ron's policy i think for the longest time in those situations was like well pff, i'm not going to change my policies but i'll take your money which i think is fine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um one interesting thing that Reed kind of brought up was um, I, th I can't remember if I was on his show or what, but uh, the whole militarizing the border. This is a real, sh you know, big thing in the MAGA camp where, um, and I've talked to you guys about this before too. The whole fentanyl pouring over the border, and we got to go after China because fentanyl, and you know, uh, Matt Gates saying we should bomb Sinaloa because they're pouring in fentanyl. Um, Reed, you've had a more unique experience in that you've lived all over the place and you had uh, kind of brought up your struggles with uh, Border Patrol. So um, I know that's a little bit of a uh, something that you could perhaps shed some light on. So, um, you know, if, like I said, if you got anything to add to what they said and then on top of the idea of militarizing the border, which is a big MAGA con talking point. Sure. Well, I've lived in uh, Blake's hometown or I don't know if it's his hometown, but it's where he lives now, Tucson, Arizona. I got uh, my most of my dad's family lives out there. And if you go down to Tombstone or any of the, you know, towns that are near the Mexican border, there's there there at least were checkpoints from time to time on Interstate 10 between New Mexico and Arizona. They had checkpoints where they'd stop every car and they'd um uh, they'd ask you if you're an American citizen. And I think any vessel Within a hundred miles of the border, they have the right to uh, basically detain you, pull you over, and ask you what's going on without a warrant. If you're in a house, then they need a warrant. But if you're in a car, a boat, an airplane on the ground, you know, whatever, like they can detain you within a hundred miles of the border. Um, and you know, my cousin, he's been arrested by the border patrol. Uh, he was down there with some friends right on the border, just laying out water for people who were coming across. Um, and he got detained by the Border Patrol, wasn't doing anything uh, illegal, but he was held like overnight and his dad had to go down there and get him out. And I don't know. I mean, this is America. So, you know, when you start cracking down on you know i mean let's frame it this way you know like nobody likes terrorists and we don't want terrorists to um you know be scheming to kill us so i mean if there is a lead as to you know this group of terrorists in some cell and you know who they are and then you apply for a warrant to tap their phones to figure out what they're saying i don't have any issues with that but just like the patriot act was this massive blanket approval to do that anywhere without any sort of probable cause or anything like that the maga approach to border security is very similar i mean <laughs> you know first of all you got tons of land that you're just going to seize and put a giant 50 foot wall uh you know along a 1200 mile border 
Um, and then you are militarizing it too. Like in El Paso, they've had parking lots full of tanks down there. Tanks, you know, for the Mexican border. Talking about drug cartels. Why do you need tanks to take on drug cartels? Um, it's an excuse to pump tons of weapons and ammunition and armor onto the border. Um, and then on top of that, if you have ICE, you know, kind of extrajudicially, like without proper oversight, raiding houses and, you know, just acting like the Gestapo, basically, and rounding people up and kicking them over the border. I don't know. I don't think that's good. I don't think we should have that in America. I would rather deal with occasional crime from immigrants than creating a massive police state to try to crack down on it. And I think most of the problems with illegal immigration stem from prohibition. You know, like if if it's super hard to get across and work, they're going to do it illegally. You know, if you have to go through all these steps to get these permits or if you're trying to get a path to citizenship that costs thousands of dollars, they're going to come in illegally. And then if you're working illegally, everyone's trying to keep it under the table and not, you know, let uh, the government see the light of day of what's going on there. So then the working conditions are really bad. And that leads to more crime, just like with anything else, with the drug war, um, with anything. So I think the war on illegal immigration uh, causes a lot of the problems that we've seen. I mean, th the border used to be wide open, uh, even like, you know, 50 years ago. I mean, comparatively, you could just walk across the desert and come here, and there wasn't near the amount of crime. Uh, you think about how much the crime has gone up since the Department of Homeland Security has become a thing over the last 20 years. I mean, it's gotten way, way worse. And I know Connor lives in Arizona. I think you're more northern Arizona, but I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, also, um, no, but that's the whole thing. I mean, I just, it's it's one of these situations where, and there's already a lot of government contracts that are laid out in the Clifton piece uh, that uh, Thiel's companies um, make off of these policies. And, and it, you know, the profits went up uh, and the contracts went up during the Trump administration. And it's mm. because of these border policies. And it's just, again, it's another aspect of the right wing uh, sort of the new right movement where we, I feel like we're making concessions of things that we're opposed to in principle uh, in order to, I, I don't know what the strategic advantage is here to bolster people like Blake Masters um, and these sort of, um, you know, new right post-Trump MAGA people or the, even these these Thiel back candidates who I just find uh, very suspicious. But I yeah, I agree with you. I don't pay much attention to the uh, to the um, the border news and these kinds of things. But um, I would say that you're probably right. Yeah, the whole border conversation is uh, I, I feel like there's so much propaganda surrounding it. And of course, all the right wingers say it's just left wing fake news. But I feel like on the right, I've been seeing a lot of the uh, Congress people, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ron DeSantis, all of these popular right wing fingers pointing out, oh, there's 300 people a day dying from fentanyl, but I, I can't find that anywhere. I looked it up from multiple different sources. I can't even find 175 people. I can find 162. I could find 150 a day, but nowhere can I find that that's the leading cause of death for people from 18 to 45, which Ron DeSantis claimed and then Marjorie Taylor Greene in the tweet said 300 people a day. I can't find it. Uh, is it true? Maybe. I don't know. But like this cold warrior, drug warrior thing, I, I feel like it's 
we're going back to like 2002 all over again. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! And I like you said we're we're giving concessions and, and i don't know it's just so blake masters deal it really seemed like all we really gave up was rlp candidate to pat ourselves on the back and have a conversation with blake masters that that really seems to be all that it ended up being and it was a candidate that the i mean dave did not like i mean he said i'm part of the problem he was trying for over a month or something like this a month behind the scenes i was using my weight behind the scenes to try and prevent him from running in the first place mm -hmm. so the argument that while well, i waited to i mean yes he did not make the endorsement until uh victor put his foot in his mouth and said uh the age of consent that should be up for a vote uh so so on the one hand that's true but at the same time you know this was a predetermined thing mm -hmm. that dave really liked masters and i don't really understand why uh, I know, he, I guess he's good on guns. Uh, he said some good things about how sound money is honest money. Um, I, I don't think he'll be in favor of as much spending maybe as uh, Mark Kelly. The problem too with a guy like Masters, again, is he's in, I mean, he's running on Trump's legacy. We don't really have anything else to really base off of him. All I don't think a LewRockwell.com article. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he, you know, he had a poster. I had to do a double take because I thought it was, I, I was like, no, I must have misread that. It says, um, is, are you better off now than you were in 2020? <laughs> if not, vote for Blake Masters. <laughs> so like you, you could have used like 2019, like uh, of all oh, years, 2020 yeah. is a pretty bad year to uh, ask how you were doing. And like, <laughs> come on. Dude. And of course yeah. it happened under a Republican too. So I, and that's another thing that I see with these uh, MAGA cons is just this fucking ridiculous partisan hackery and honestly i think it probably cost them a decent bit of votes in the election because people remember getting the cash in hand a couple years ago and then all of a sudden everything costs more money i i i believe people are pretty stupid but i feel like republicans especially aren't that stupid like they're they're pretty dumb don't get me wrong i mean i work with them you know eight hours a day but i don't think they're that stupid that those two are so far apart um Pat, I don't know if you got any uh, thoughts there as well. Well, one thing that I find hard to believe is that conservatives give two shits about drug addicts dying in the gutter. <laughs> like, that's just a hard sell for me. Like, yeah. over 300 of the worst lowlifes of our society that are dying every day. We need to stop this. Mm -hmm. I just don't really buy that. The other thing, too, it's like uh, I remember I used to get mad about that with the Trump thing where it's like, well, we have to really go after these people coming over the border, you know, and uh, like you like we was talking about these Gestapo kind of policies. And it's like, why? Because, well, because they're taking government money and they're voting Democrat. 
all these different things can be or they're bringing drugs like all these different things can be solved by not being sadistic little shits and going after individuals who are just crossing an imaginary i hate to sound like an evangelical libertarian like this is why i stick to foreign policy but like the point is they make this deal where they're like well i'll support the state brutalizing people because we're never going to end the drug war why try that we're never going to end the welfare state why try that we're never going to reduce the size of government it's only going to get bigger so in the meantime i'd just like to beat up on some mexicans or something i mean i don't i just i i hate to say it but like i just don't relate to that mentality um but uh yeah i mean we should be focusing on like you're saying about fentanyl Obviously, the solution there is to end the war on drugs because and again, why are people taking opioids in record numbers? Why is that? It's because the government has ruined everything. The The oligarchy has destroyed people's futures. They have no hopes and no prospects. And we're, you know, this is a very depressing time to be living in. Uh, and as we we're talking about earlier with the cost of living and everything skyrocketing, um, and, uh, there's just, I mean, imagine the deaths of despair just during the, uh, the COVID era. I mean, just during the lockdowns, I, mean, I, I work for several restaurants. I know that just got destroyed as a result of these policies. Um, we're talking about, I mean, we act like there's people getting sick constantly just from big pharma and, uh, but these vaccines, let alone these vaccines, nobody talks about it. Um, and just, I mean, I just, it's just, it's, it's sadistic to just be like, well, it's it's a good excuse to go out to ramp up the new Cold War with China and to go after people on the border so we can make money for like the uh, immigration control industrial complex or something instead of addressing these issues that libertarians should never have given up on uh, in the first place. Uh, because they're absolutely right. If we are we are concerned about people dying and ODing from drugs uh, and getting cocaine laced with fentanyl or something like that, um, that is something that we should be concerned about. And the way to fix that, obviously, is to legalize drugs so people can get pure stuff and they don't have to worry about all of that. But that's never going to happen. So you have to pick between the R and the D. And obviously seriously. you have to choose the R. Yeah, because they're yeah. more like us, you know. We're yeah. more China hawks than Russia hawks. That's so gay. <laughs> America first. Yeah, yeah. America first. Usually, um, I think we've all kind of said it in some iteration or another, but it usually boils down to like Israel, then Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, and then Ukraine, and then America. That's that's usually what it boils down to. But um, I think it was Reed that called it out that um. Blake literally had the same reaction as the Biden regime when it came to the war um, with Russia, where literally as soon as it happened, he said, oh, let's go for sanctions. Like it, it is indiscernible from the, you know, their proposed worst president in history. Um, he had the same reaction to him. So it's like, OK, well, this is when it matters for you to be good on foreign policy. And if you look amongst all of these, you know, all the Republicans, most of them were right in lockstep with it. So. I don't know. It just seems like there's this divide amongst libertarians about how much we should focus on foreign policy versus the culture war stuff. And not to say that that's not important, but at the same time, we can't lose what makes us better than the Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, I want to read this. This is from March 1st, 2022. Blake Masters. This is the last tweet in his thread. Um, and when he was on the Liberty Report and maybe when he was on part of the problem, too, he tried to act like he had explicitly said we shouldn't send weapons. And maybe he said that somewhere else that I haven't seen, but I personally haven't seen him say that until very recently. 
Um, he tried to make it sound like he said that in this tweet. So what he said is, what to do? We should supply the Ukrainians as they fight for their country. We should support the Europeans as they get up off their knees. We should sanction Russia so that Putin and his cronies feel the consequences. And we should keep our own military out of this. So that does not sound explicitly to me to, you know, uh, not give them lethal aid. It's very it's vague at best, but we should supply the Ukrainians as they fight for their country. Uh, I mean, that sounds like giving them weapons, but I mean, it's just kind of one of those vague things where later down the road, he could go either way with it. You ever supplied um, somebody in a fight? You just like you stand there with like a first aid kit, just kind of hand it yeah. to them as they're fighting somebody <laughs> or some food. Exactly. No, I mean, he wrote that very, I mean, such a little, um, it's <laughs> cynical, right? Because it almost, it's written, I don't doubt that he wrote it so he could go either way on it. It seems like it's right. it's written like that. So that if the winds blew a different way, ultimately with the GOP, or at least the target market for his campaign, then he could say, well, I never intended that. You know, I'm against these arms packages everybody hates. That's the other thing, like, um, I mean, he said with the uh, NDAA, Again, nobody pushed him on the uh, Taiwan Policy Act stuff. No one pushed him on $10 billion over five years in military aid for Taiwan, uh, you know, which is the now in the Senate's version of the NDAA, uh, not to mention these wartime um, buying powers that the Pentagon is seeking again for preparation for war with China and to continue supplying Kiev. Uh, he doesn't get asked about any of that stuff. And then he says to, I think he said to Ron Dan, he's like, yeah, the NDAA, I'm sure that our bill is filled with, you know, uh, great things. Uh, but this Ukraine aid is, is uh, problematic. The, the weapons, I, I, I never supported that. And as just Reed just showed, I mean, also, if you read that full thread, he, he sound, he's basically blaming the invasion on Europe, not buying enough weapons. <laughs> from yeah, America, yeah, that's the, rest that's of it's the narrative. Like, they didn't draw hard enough a line. It's this Don Baldic, you know, approach of like, oh yeah, if we had a real tough guy like Trump who would have like really put his, you know, really put the hammer down, then nothing would have happened. Um, by the way, I do want to say that with Blake, I think he is better than um Kelly, and I, you know, it's obvious that he understands libertarian thought. So I personally am not opposed to, um, you know, extorting him into getting an endorsement. So I, I would have just liked to see, uh, see, I, I would have liked to seen it done differently. I would have liked to seen, um, you know, Dave or Ron or any of these guys or even, uh, Mark, frankly, tell him, Hey, you've said some fucked up shit about this. You know, if you want my endorsement, you've got to change your tune on this now. But none of that happened. It was just, hey, guys, look at how great this guy is. All three interviews were just like, yeah, you really are awesome. Tell us how awesome you are. And they just went with it. You know, like tell us, with Baldick. Tell us the story again about how yeah. when you were in college, you read Rothbard. Yeah, 20 I, years I ago. Think every congressman should read Rothbard. I used to tell my teacher, you don't understand economics. I've been reading this Mises guy. I was that guy. I, I just put my son to bed, and we've been doing this thing where I, I tell him a story every night. And every night it's a different thing. Like one night it was, you know, my son, the fireman, and my son, the airplane pilot. And this was us, to Blake Masters telling us a story. Blake Masters, the student of Rothbard. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> 
Oh, in in God, every story, so... my son, you know, he goes to work and he saves the day. Mm-hmm. That's how the stories go. <laughs> That's yeah, what but... Blake's gonna do. Yeah, he, exactly. he's, he's gonna go to the set. So he's gonna save. <laughs> he's gonna go to the set and he's gonna save the day. He's gonna be Rand Paul's best ally. But I, I, the it's... only guy that I didn't. <laughs> extort at all to get my sport was john fetterman that guy got like a full-blown endorsement (laughs) up front i mean he i don't even care what his policies are Mm. it's just he his delivery is so on point that i was like this guy (laughs) just gets it this is who we need in the senate have have you guys that guy just have you guys heard people (laughs) saying that that uh blake masters is going to be better than Rand paul oh yeah oh yeah who who here is pretending i mean who anywhere is pretending that your Marjorie Taylor Green or your Blake Masters or your Joe Kent is is any equivalent to like a Thomas Massey. Who is oh, pretending that one. Blake Masters yeah. is even equivalent to um Marjorie Taylor Green? Marjorie Taylor Green voted against sanctions on Russia and she's been screaming like not one more cent to Ukraine and she's made yeah, posts about how they're neo Nazis in Ukraine and shit. So even though she still sucks on a bunch of stuff, at least she has drawn, uh, you know, drawn a hard line in the sand about this issue, where yeah. Blake, after he's kind of goaded, will finally be like, "Yeah, I don't think we should send him weapons," and the sanctions were kind of sloppily used. So he's not even as good as her. Sure, <laughs> you sure. Know? Well, like, I guess she's... my my larger point, and you're right about that, Reed. Uh, but my larger point is, is like, if if we are going to, like, say, if if your Mises crowd is going to be supporting these populist right candidates. Why aren't we corrupting the Republican Party to get candidates like Thomas Massey and like Rand Paul instead of harnessing the energy of the populist right figures like this, like your Ron DeSantis? And and it seems, I mean, go ahead. uh, Well, a real interesting point, and I tweeted this out when I saw it. um, Rand Paul and Thomas Massey did, like, exceedingly well. Like, they crushed whoever they were up against. And a certain somebody had tweeted at me and said, well, maybe you should listen to their example. And I completely agreed with him. But the thing is, is that Thomas Massey never towed the line for Trump, right? He never sat there and fucking took a full-blown... He never took a full-blown concussion to the fucking head (laughs) over sucking Trump's dick, right? Thomas Massey was one of the... He was like the only congressman to stand up and say, we should take a vote on this stimulus. You You guys should have to come here and fucking vote on it. And that is what separates him from all these fucking MAGA chuds is that he's willing to stand up to Trump and say, no, I'm not doing this. And then he got told he should be thrown out of the Republican party. So I just, this like, I feel like there's so much removing of agency from Trump and the Republican base. Like, Oh, they're just, they're, they're marginally better, but you know, they don't know, or they, they treat them like retarded children, essentially where they, they can do no wrong because they're just not well enough. educated. I, I just, I can't stand that argument because it really takes away from the fact that Trump supported most of the bad shit that's going on right now. I, I really try to, I mean, when I interact with these type of people, I really try to steel man what they're saying because they're, I, I, sometimes I feel like we're straw manning it at certain times, but from what I've heard as articulated by Jeff Deist, there was an interview where he went on with Tom Woods and they were talking about the populist rights war with the alphabet soup agencies. And it seems to me that the strongest argument is that no, the the post or excuse me, the populist right are not libertarians, and that's fine. But what they are are they they're Jacksonian populists that have declared war against the regime, 
And as maybe like burn it all down people or what, what have you, we need a strong man or strong men type arc, um, archetypes to get into, um, get into the ring and to fight the regime. And like even Herschel if they're Walker. not, and even if they're not, you know, libertarians like us, that's fine, but mm -hmm. they're against the regime, which is the biggest danger to libertarianism that we've ever seen. Uh, Seems to me to be the real argument. Yeah. Well, you sent that article over to me and I think I breezed through it, but um, there was a, I think it was like what the Jacksonian militarism or something like that. Um, Pat, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I, I, I it might've been a Daniel exactly. Larison piece or a Ted yeah. Snyder piece. Mm -hmm. um yeah i just i i feel like they're just kind of getting lazy and as i've heard pat articulate some people are uh crotchety right wingers <laughs> it's it's kind of true and i just find it so intellectually lazy and then you see they have an obsession you know for these people who hate the alphabet agencies for some reason they keep getting these fbi and cia spooks in that are going to run and they you know kind of carry a lot of the same military lines but um i think it was reed that articulated before that like nobody cares if you're against regime change like nobody believes in that shit anymore but um you know china will be the next big thing russia's kind of a big deal but some of the rights good on that but like you know being against regime change is like being against slavery now like it, it doesn't take any any guts yeah well the thing is the there's no line with the populist right where someone's a warmonger anymore so um someone can have the same military views as liz cheney but as long as they love trump then they're a populist right winger so don baldock is a neocon. I mean, he wants to fight Russia and China. He didn't think we should pull out of Afghanistan. He thinks Putin invaded uh, Ukraine because we pulled out of Afghanistan and we showed weakness. He thinks that the Iranian regime is oppressive because we haven't sanctioned them enough and we haven't, you know, been aggressive against them enough. I mean, literally every neocon talking point he has, but he has that Trump endorsement. And he talks the right way that, you know, attracts the, the populist right-wingers. So there are a lot of Liberty Republicans here in New Hampshire who are telling us, we need to vote for Don Baldock. It's like, no, like, fuck you. We're not going to do it. Um, you know, he's a warmonger. And they're like, no, he's not a warmonger. And you probably saw that clip of me blasting his own words back at his supporters, you know, about going to war with Russia and China. And I found tons of clips online. Um, you know, even back, uh, several months ago, Corey Lewandowski, a Trump advisor condemned him as being too hawkish and too dangerous and that he should never be a United States Senator. Uh, Jennifer Griffin, the Pentagon correspondent for Fox news came on the air after he was on and said, Hey, just so you guys know, um, everything he just said does not represent the department of defense. That's like absolutely insane. We don't want to do any of that stuff. Um, so, you know, once we start saying Blake Masters is one of us, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, Don Baldick is one of us. Like, we were literally getting that argument from free stater, you know, small L libertarians in New Hampshire that we need to support this guy. Uh, but thankfully, he lost by a lot. And not that Hassan's any good, but, you know, I, I think if Baldick had got in there with the amount of quasi-libertarian support he had, 
there would have been zero accountability once he's in there. You know, whenever he's pushing for war, we would just kind of ignore it. And it would have been really bad. So it would have been just like when Trump was president. So I'm glad he didn't get in there because they'll at least hold Maggie Hassan accountable. The right wingers will and the like liberty Republicans and right leaning libertarians. They'll at least hold her feet to the fire where um, only, you know, like the really strict ones of us, like the four of us would actually have held Baldick accountable. So I don't know. Once you start loosening that standard you could go a long way with it and people will never, you know, never care. Yeah, well, that's why I think um, it's so refreshing for me once I found out who, you know, Robbie and Abby Martin were. And uh, Robbie had kind of pointed this out to me that um, it really doesn't mean anything to be anti-war in 2022, right? Just because of how watered down Scott, because everybody would point to Trump and say, look how anti-war he is. And, you know, oh, he, he did all these great things and he was just so, so anti-war. But um, it really is almost like a hijacking of the anti-war movement and libertarianism as a whole, because now um, we kind of get baked in with all these people who actually are completely opposed to some of the stuff that we would like to see in a foreign policy respect. But um, just because they say they're anti-war and they hate regime change, but they're OK with your own strikes and the Cold War and executing Cuban leaders, as some of these populist right figures have literally said, um, we're all baked into one. I really think that it actually waters down the effectiveness of being anti-war. And yeah, I think it was Pat. I think you were the one that uh, made me aware of uh, Anthony Sabatini saying we should execute Cuban leaders, which is like, <laughs> what? Hashtag SOS Cuba. <laughs> which I think the Libertarian National Party has tweeted out at one point or another. Yeah, they Marvel did. And, uh, uh... and, and, uh... Also, never we should never forget they tweeted right after Biden's speech announcing sanctions on Russia the day after the invasion or the day of, if you get the time zones matched. Um, as soon as he was done, uh, they tweet out, Taiwan is a country. Yeah. <laughs> as if to say, we're more hawkish than Biden and Trump mm-hmm. and also, Bush and Obama. Also, please recognize us that we're identifying the very popular political trend of trashing <laughs> C or China or something like yeah. that. The, all these Pooh Bear memes about Z and you know, the, the Babylon Bee comes out with pieces that sarcastically mock like Uyghurs in concentration camps and then tweet about how, you know, the Palestinians are, I, I don't know, terrorists or something and some kind of Hamas. a fucking... Uh, Israel's right to exist, defend itself, something or other. Yeah. But one Sounds thing I've been trying to do with this, to me. Yeah. I don't have a bell <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing I've been trying to do though with this trying to grapple all this stuff about, you know, purity versus pragmatism and the populist right is really just look to the nineties and because this is nothing new, man. I mean and and I've really, I mean, of course, since I'm the Justin Raimondo fellow at the Institute, I've been trying to look and see what Justin's relationship was like with Pat Buchanan. Because Buchanan, and there's notable differences between Buchanan and some of the populist right. And But the common strain is, is that Buchanan was a protectionist and he was a bit of a China hawk. And at times, uh, like during the war in Kosovo, he was saying, hey, we should be bombing China and not Kosovo. (laughs) 
And and so at the time, I mean, the issue hierarchy was different because we weren't in a declared Cold War against China, even though Justin and Raimondo said we were in the early you know two thousands, or at least he uh, predicted it very accurately. But you know, Justin gave the opening campaign speech for Pat Buch for I think his last presidential run, I think on the reform ticket, and so there's. <sighs> It, it's a really difficult road to walk, but, but, you know, Justin never pulled any punches against Buchanan, especially for his China hawkishness. But on the issue of the day, Justin was always right to put the current war or the near future war at the top of his list of things to oppose. And so when Pat Buchanan was proposing that we bomb China instead of Kosovo, um, Raimondo defended him because he ran antiwar.com, ran a piece where Buchanan was saying, don't bomb Kosovo, bomb China. <laughs> and he got some, I mean, it was just a throwaway line at the end of the piece. Mainly it was all about Kosovo, but there was some rightfully angry fan mail or, or reader mail that, that said, Hey, why is antiwar.com running this piece? And Justin wrote a whole long response saying, well, we're currently bombing Kosovo and we're not going to be at war with China. Although Pat Buchanan is a crazy lunatic and he's wrong about China, about China he is. Um, so I really just tried to try and think about, you know, what Justin would do. And Justin was a crazy rabid attack dog. And sometimes he bit the wrong people. But um trying to look and learn because this is the the whole China issue. And I would argue that China opposing war with China is, should be issue number one or number two right now, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe below opposing nuclear Armageddon with Russia, but it's a very close second. And it's clearly the next item on the U S empire's agenda list and their main priority and focus. Um, but it's nothing new. And I think there's lessons to be learned from the past. Yeah, I remember Ryan was saying that, you know, the next thing was going to be war with Russia. He was saying this in, like, the beginning of 2021, and I didn't believe him. I was like, no, nah, man, come on. Like, they're not that stupid. There's no way they'd actually push us to that, <laughs> and here we are. And I, I used to feel the same way about the China talk. Like, oh, come on. Like, that'll never happen. But just saw it happen with Russia, so that's why that kind of woke me up to, like, well, yeah, no, they could actually do this. Yeah, it was mostly like Peter Schiff for yeah. me that kind of initially turned me on to the China stuff, which sounds dumb. But like, I remember just him talking about the large trade deficit that we have with them and then how, for some reason, most of the populace, right, just couldn't let that go. So I'm like, it, it kind of sounds like we're winning in this whole situation. So what the hell is the deal? And then, you know, you start pulling at this thread and then um, you, you find just a lot of BS kind of at the heart of it. And, and like, the only thing that I could really see them just having any kind of solid point on is... Um, the whole TikTok mining our information, but it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> Israel does the same thing to us. The U.S. government already does the same thing to us. What, what is China going to do with that information? I'm not saying they should have it, but um, like I think uh, Pat told me once, you know, it's going to be similar to Russia buying ads in 2016 for the election. Like, what's the scale of this, and what actual potential harm is it? Because ramping up Cold War tensions is you know, very dangerous that and civilization if it goes far enough. But um yeah, you know, what 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 good is it to just say, hey, like we shouldn't I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating. Anyways, uh Connor, well, you, you got 
there's such um, distance too between what the actual policies are in terms of the military and what the American people are even and, and what the American people think is our reality, the reality of our relationship with China. I mean, they um, I, I don't think most Americans who listen to someone like a Blake Masters or one of these populist right people or Tim Pool that we're talking about who are very hawkish on China realize that Biden now has open has openly deployed U.S. troops to Taiwan, training their local forces for war with China and that Taiwan is a part of China and that this is as much of if not more of a red line for them than ukraine that this is absolutely going to lead to nuclear war not only that when they want to talk about oh what if that happens and they come to the california coast it starts with tiktok and the next thing you know we're getting invaded the we sail warships to the taiwan strait every month they when biden came in last year Pat and I wrote about this and talked about this throughout the whole year. Uh, they were, you know, these were the largest, not only with Russia and Defender Europe 21 and all these myriad NATO exercises and the ancillaries from that larger uh exercise and and uh you know starting these drills like rapid trident 21 in ukraine sea breeze with over 30 nations training for war with russia in the black sea um you know but in in south china sea the yellow sea the east china sea uh biden flew two th over two thousand sorties of military planes you know that's multiple times a day near their coast uh can you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot uh we look at yeah, he escalated the aircraft uh aircraft carrier strike group deployments uh with uh about 10 which was way up from where trump was i believe it was like six under trump or um and i, I it might have been nine or ten but regardless it was a big escalation over what trump had done um if, and um, if i could jump in here yeah one one thing that we have said so much in talking about this blake masters endorsement um i mean a friendly critique of dave smith if when when Blake Masters comes and says that China is going to be landing on the California coast, just the very cursory, simplest knowledge of the topic could easily rebuff that talking point in an apocalyptic, decisive nuclear way. Just mm -hmm. saying, putting this context that Connor's laying out there shuts that down in a moment because who's going to believe that? <laughs> when you explain the reality of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. There is one country who is sailing warships off of the other country's coast, and it's not China off of California. Sorry, Connor. No, I no, just... you're 100% right. And then it's, you know, I mean, the whole policy, it's just the ginning up hatred of China and demonization of China is as bad, every bit as bad, uh, if not worse, because a lot of it comes through alternative, you know, nominally alternative media people and that sources that people trust, trust a hell of a lot more than Brian Stelter. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it's just as bad as what we sat through during the Trump era. And the, the Russia demonization had started long before that, uh, you know, Very Heavy Agenda is a great documentary about that. But you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, people just have there's so much there's such a gap between what the American people are aware of in terms of our military policy vis-a-vis -vis China and let alone, you know, the Taiwan Policy Act. You know, Pat wrote a great piece showing that Lindsey Graham and Bob Menendez, the two possibly the two worst hawks in the Senate, have been leading the charge on both the burgeoning proxy war where we use taiwan as a human battering ram against china and certainly what we're doing in ukraine uh and the taiwan policy act i mean turning what i mean they go well it's not like we're going to officially make them a major non-nato ally but you know de facto we'll do it with it you know it won't be <laughs> yeah. a name but everything else we're going to make all the adjustments and and just uh i mean jesus the um 
the escalation is just completely off the charts. I mean, they're talking about, you know, um, upgrading their uh, status in all these different in international institutions, treating them like it's their it's their own country. We're in major trade talks uh, now with uh, Taiwan. Uh, the British uh, trade policy minister just visited uh, Lithuania, just opened a trade office um in taiwan i mean the whole thing is just absolutely off the charts and of course people should have really realized this when uh the pelosi incident occurred and biden made his fourth gaffe saying that we are absolutely uh you know obligated yeah. to go to war with china if yeah if they're attacked which we make exponentially more likely with these policies um and uh again it was just like the libertarian movement uh pat and i have talked about before it just seems like that we're so far behind on this issue overall, whereas instead of boosting somebody like Masters and blowing political capital doing that and, and risking credibility, we should have been, you know, really pushing this issue in parallel with our opposition to the war in Ukraine. And that's that's the divide we're getting at earlier that, uh, that you were talking about, Kyle, with the foreign po the focus on foreign policy versus people who are more across the board. I mean, they're focused on other issues, too, and they kind of see it as at parity with other issues. I just have my I'm not a political guy. I'm not, you know, the bureaucracy of the party is making me sleep just thinking about it. But what they should do is focus on anti-war activism for at least more than 50 percent of everything that the party does, because right now we don't know how much time we have left. And there are protests throughout Europe against inflation, the cost of living increases, the economic war against Russia and this proxy war and the risk of nuclear war. That is the most basic populist thing that the libertarian party could be organizing right now or the libertarian movement you know writ large could be doing and guess what everybody can agree on that and you can totally bypass all of the political you know bs and noise and just get to people and talk to them you know you know because these are bread and but these are um uh you know these are what do you call it um kitchen table issues you know this is what everybody can relate to is you know look at your gas look at your food prices look at your rent going up look at your savings being depleted we can stop this and we can get this sort of damocles this nuclear war gun to our head uh you know we can stop all this but we need to do it now and and that's that should be the main message we have and i think it would unite if we're going to try and recruit people from the right or recruit people from the left the best way to do that is to just be you know the most based anti-war movement you can be uh you know that would appeal to the right and you talk about the fed and you talk about the federal police and you go after these you know because we do have common enemies but we don't have to waste time with this culture war crap or make a bunch of concessions ourselves we can just show people a better alternative which was really ron paul's whole mission to begin with i just heard him talking about that again on the liberty report the other day um you know our job is to present a better alternative than what these two parties are presenting because right now it should be a slam dunk um, but yeah, just, it, I think everybody's getting a little frustrated because it seems like we're just kind of like moving at a snail's pace or something when it seems like they're escalating on so many fronts. Um, you know, we're getting closer to war with Iran, North Korea, Russia, China. Um, and I mean, we have us hey, troops. percent of the vote is pretty good. You know, that's yeah, man. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but I mean the, the, we have us troops in Ukraine, which is why I have to laugh when the Pentagon admitted that just a week or two ago. Oh, it's just on-site weapons inspections. You know how it is. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. 
I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. And, uh, mix that all up it tastes really really good so uh yeah make sure you drop by go to drinklmnt.com slash in liberty and health and uh pick you up some electrolytes today all right guys thanks the like it doesn't matter if blake masters or some of these guys are like well i don't support sending troops there well guess what they're there <laughs> like so right. so what if you're against it i don't support you know arming them well you support the sanctions. You support what, 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 tell us what you don't support and we can find out what we agree on. There's just too many uh, glaring problems here where it's like we need to just be a lot better than these people and take away their votes and their base and peel off their supporters. Cause otherwise we're just fighting a losing battle. I don't even know what we're trying to get. Pat's on the head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, I just wanted to inter- uh, interject where he was talking about how these right-wing news sources are ones that people tend to trust more um, with the Gulf of Baldock incident where, you know, he was attacked by nobody. Um, Epoch times, I believe put an article out and so did uh, Breitbart and so did national review, a bunch of different right-wing sources just off of complete bullshit. This story, you know, general ducks punch in would be assault or whatever. And then others, I think they said that he was punched and, on Sean Hannity's show, you know, Sean Hannity said, so you ducked a punch. It must feel kind of scary, but I guess you're a general who's seen 10 tours, so you're probably used to that. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's a good thing law enforcement was there to protect me or whatever. So the right-wing news media is just as full of shit as the left-wing, <laughs> as the left-wing media is. We just kind of saw it firsthand a couple weeks ago, so that was just kind of funny. I just yeah. love how he's like, earlier he's like, no, I wasn't assaulted. And then Hannity's like, you know, you're a general. This guy took a swing at you. And then yeah. Baltic is just like, yeah, I know, but thank God the cops were there. Otherwise, I would have had to put up the Dukes myself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And um, Rita, I think you said that even um, I tried to watch one Tim Pool episode, but um, I don't think I caught it. But I think he was even parroting that. And this kind of goes yeah. to something that I kind of wanted to hit on with all you guys as well. Um, we're calling Tim Pool our greatest ally, and I, I just hate this idea that we have to bow down and suck his penis when he clearly shows that he's willing to ally with just all the MAGA people and will throw libertarianism to the wind at the slightest, you know, ruffle in the water. I mean, the dude fucking had Steve Bannon on. He has Jack Posobiec on like every other week. Like these people have called Steve Bannon called for regime change in China. Um, he wants war with Iran, and you know you could probably say he wants war with China. And I've talked about it a little bit, where you know all his fundings from not all of it, but a lot of his fundings from a fucking shady CCP dissident who's been accused of raping people, um, 
you know, he's arrested on his boat, who he tried to pawn off on his daughter. It's just so much shady shit. And we're supposed to believe that these people are, uh, you know, like, oh, these good, wholesome people. And on top of that, the uh, whole we build the wall fund where they defrauded people, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But nobody will talk about that. And, and it's kind of like a similar deal with Alex Jones, where he really fucked up. And, yeah, there should have been something done. But, like, you know, obviously they're going to the umph degree to make an example. Um, I just... Just the idea that he's, you know, some kind of libertarian, if we can just convince him. I think he's kind of told us, I'm not going to be convinced, but I'll give the libertarians a little pat on the head every here and there whenever they need it. But, um, you know, really, my main goal is to, you know, take a concussion from Trump's penis. That, that seems to be the general goal that he's Is that what happened to Fetterman? <laughs> he probably had more than one. <laughs> I stand. I stand. I I support fracking. I don't support. I yeah. I support fracking. <laughs> He's the best. I would be proud if I were you, Kyle. By the way, being from uh, being from Pennsylvania, you should you should really own that one. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't run from that if I were you. But yeah, I mean, um. You know, even if Tim Pool's our greatest ally, at least he hasn't attacked the USS Liberty like our other greatest ally. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel young. I don't have any issues with people being friendly with him and yeah. going on his show, and I don't think people need to be hostile toward him or anything. But I, I don't think that filleting people ultimately makes them respect you either. You know, like I, I think if you're just kind of coming to them on your hands and knees, and if you do something they don't like and just like oh i'm so sorry you know i don't think in the end that they think more of you because of that you know and i remember when uh dave went on and tim pool brought up you know that china i forget exactly what he said something about china invading the united states and dave like basically laughed in his face it was like dude that's so ridiculous why are you worried about the ccp when you've got the fbi which was the right response but then Angela McArdle was tweeting out like, oh, my God, Tim Pool is so anti-war, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I don't know. Why, why do that? Like, he obviously isn't. He said dumb shit and Dave had to correct him on it. And he was also correcting him on the Abraham Accords and stuff, which to me, that's what you why should do I if you're on there. Palestinians? Yeah. yeah, like if you're on there, you should be calling him on his shit instead of like, oh, you're so great, Tim. Oh, you know, and I think in the end, it'll pay off to confront people and tell them who you really are and what you really think instead of trying to cozy up to them because if you cozy up to them they know they're in charge of the relationship instead of you and i don't think it you know uh i don't think it leads to a mutual respect scenario right yeah i mean the best argument i've heard on the tim pool thing from the other side um because i mean uh I mean, I, I basically agree with Pat when it comes to Tim Pool and you guys and what you're saying. People just will say that, look, I mean, the guy has this huge platform and he's had all these libertarians on there. I think it would be more valuable, though, for people to go and do basically what Scott did, which is right. go on there and not be a prick about it, but really to kind of fight the guy about these things that he's horrible on because it really does expose him. And quite frankly, I mean, the his audience evidently thought Scott was a communist, uh, which is ridiculous in his <laughs> anti-war.com sweatshirt. But the uh, it would be great, you know, if if Dave, um, you know, there's a lot of other things that he could point out, like we were just talking about, about uh, Biden and Trump's policy. But he could blame it all on Biden. I don't care. Blame it all on the Democrats. Blame the whole thing on Obama, uh, the whole Asia pivot and Hillary Clinton, for Christ's sake. You know, do that and fight this guy from the right and then just say, why do you support their whole new cold war with china you know we can all agree that biden's 
you know, Ukraine policy is, uh, you know, threatening all of us in nuclear war. And this is completely ridiculous. I don't know how good Tim Pool is on the proxy war in Ukraine. Um, but I know I'm pretty sure he and Luke have shown some pretty good skepticism toward it and, and criticized Biden. But like you could just turn the whole thing around and just say, like, yeah, we totally agree on that. And that's why you got to be better on this one um, and uh, and just kind of hammer that home. So, I mean, I never would say, like, don't work with this guy. Um uh, but I mean, I do think that there's a real problem like you're getting at Kyle, uh, when, um, if there's too much of an endorsement too much, I shouldn't use that word, but if there's too much, if the, it, it appears like this guy is one of us, like, I hate that kind of attitude about it because the guy is so bad on the most important things, um, you know, and, uh, and so to just say that and to give him this you know, seal de facto seal of approval. It sends the wrong message, not only to his people, but certainly to our people who again need to be, you know, our, like I said, our movement needs to catch up to the Pentagon on this new cold war with China. And we need to be outpacing people like Biden and not waiting until something starts in Taiwan, the way it did in February in Ukraine, before we actually start making noise about this uh, as a movement. You know, I think it should be like you're saying, we can't wait any longer. So, you know, yeah, the one and he that undermines that too, on the other yeah, side, you know, yeah. there's not enough focus at the same time that this guy is being marketed as one of us and a great source for news. And then you go to his show and nine times out of 10, when our guys aren't on there, he's got Steve Bannon or Jack Basobic or Yamini Park or Fallen Gong or whoever the fuck it is. So yeah, it's just th this was like, uh, when I first started picking on Tim pool, I guess you could say, or really dissecting what he was saying about China the Mises caucus was putting out these memes. They would have quotes of people who weren't necessarily uh, Mises affiliated, but they put out a meme of a Tim pool quote and put the Mises caucus branding on it. Right. And, and I guess my biggest point was like, guys, Mises caucus, like don't go to Tim pool for your news. Like to be I, fair. I, they also did that with general Sherman. <laughs> did you see that one? <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't know who that is. General Sherman from the Civil War. Oh, from the Civil War? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I thought you were talking someone recent. No, like the Butcher of Georgia, that guy. Yeah, Sherman's <laughs> March to the Sea. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so I I mean, I was just saying, like, and, and these are some other things. It's like just frustration from our side of people in LP leadership not utilizing the resources that they have within the movement and going to them to help them form their opinions on these issues that they don't specialize in is incredibly frustrating. Um, I mean, especially when you have a resource like the crown jewel of the Liberty movement is antiwar.com. And if we have that resource, which is arguably better, it could go toe to toe with any of the most elite foreign policy resources on the planet. And we're not utilizing that resource We'd rather go to Tim Pool for our foreign policy opinions than go to antiwar.com. Mm -hmm. That is what I have a problem with. And and personally, like, I mean, I've been pretty hard on Tim Pool in the past. I don't know what the guy responds to because I listen to a I still listen to Tim Pool. And he was just saying the other day, there's all these people who Elon Musk banned from Twitter because they impersonated Elon Musk. But there's this inner drama between Tim Pool and people like Elijah Schaefer, who Tim Pool says he's invited on to TimCast to have a talk about it. 
So even if we were, it seemed, even if we were like dunking on the guy, maybe our stature is not large enough to warrant that be an invite to hash it out. But I think that Tim pool is one of the guys that he has thick skin. He responds and he would invite people on to duke it out if there's a disagreement. So, I mean, hopefully us, me, one of us, Dave DeCamp. I almost Dave ended up on the show over the yeah. McCain read, <laughs> you know, which caused all sorts of hell over there. So, yeah. You know, yeah. and I do agree with you, Reed, that the, the Tim Cast news article about LPNH was very fair. It yes. was one of the fairest shakes that you guys got. So I like the Jerusalem Post's articles about us personally, but <laughs> they're the best. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, actually, uh, one thing that I've, uh, that um, I really enjoyed, I think I said Pat over this clip, but I've, Pete Quinones was on uh, Tim Cast, and it was so interesting to watch him break down the whole China situation. And they yeah. just walked right past it, like they acted like he didn't say any they of that, anything. And he talked for like three or four minutes. Yep, I, I think that was the great, and it was right at the end of the show too. So I don't know if they jumped right to plugs after that. But Pete gets on, and he's he's the biggest, baddest, like right winger you ever fucking saw. And he says, and and the, the topic of China comes up, and he's like. I ain't scared of no communist Chinese. Like, <laughs> this is great. No, it was phenomenal. And uh, no, he just, oh God. yeah, he just showed all the economic problems that China has and just how their military is not a threat to us at all. And, um, but that's that strategy, what Scott did and what Pete did, that's what we're talking about. That's what we would right. like to see. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically yeah. I mean, I'm pretty cynical about the guy. I'm not sure he can be converted. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's kind of set in his ways uh, and he's decided that he's going to be, um, you know, a loud voice uh, echo chamber for this stuff about, uh, you know, Uyghur death camp rape assembly lines and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Um, but at the same time. Uh, it's very useful to, to throw people up there to debate him about it or to just talk to him about it. Yeah, um, one of my biggest issues with him is just the pure omission of Trump's foreign policy. And it, it, it's something that, you know, obviously all partisan people do. And he just likes to toe the MAGA line without criticizing Trump at all. And he wants to play both sides, right? Oh, if you look on his Twitter bio, it literally says disaffected liberal well, at what point are you no longer a disaffected liberal and are you a Republican, right? Because Tulsi Gabbard's doing the same kind of thing where she's endorsing just straight up and down MAGA on the ticket, but she's still, you know, a Democrat who left the Democratic Party. Well, once again, at what point do we say you're no longer that, you're now a, a MAGA child? And if you are, I don't have a problem with that, but it's just like you don't want to lose. You want to play both sides. You don't want to hook yourself to an ideology and say, this is where I stand. This is what I stand for, and I'm not backing down from that. It, it's like they just don't want to accept that they're a part of this fucking stupid MAGA Republican cult. <laughs> I don't know. I believe Tulsi Gabbard that she endorsed Chuck Grassley to, you know, de-escalate tensions with Russia and China <laughs> and try to stop us from entering World War III. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Totally <laughs> legit. <laughs> I think that for... I think Tim Pool is a, is a very smart guy. And, and not to circle it back to Tim Pool, but I think he's a very smart guy, and I think that all of these positions are calculated. And and I don't mean to call him disingenuous. Um, if it sounds like that, I don't know. Maybe it's the business that he's engaged in. But obviously, he has a brand, and he's figured out how to attract a huge following. And he's done that with 
uh, what what is the currency, the commodity of his business is his opinion and his branding. And I think that it, when it comes to the truth of the issues, I think that is an ancillary thing. What the real thing is his currency and the good that he is marketing, which is the opinions. And it doesn't necessarily matter if those opinions are right or wrong or accurate, just that they're presented in the right way and sold to the biggest market where he can be successful. And in the process, in, in, in the art of doing that, he is a genius because the, the results speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly. So I guess it's a compliment sandwich. Like he's a genius on doing what he does, but what he does is kind of grifty, <laughs> you know? He's yeah. tapped into a bunch of different markets by doing that too. Yeah, he has. I mean, it's just libertarians, right-wingers, MAGA people, conservatives. I mean, he casts a wide net. And yeah, I agree with you. Like, I mean, if you, I don't know what kind of money he's making, but can you imagine being like, do I have to like stop having uh, Bannon and these huge China hawks on or fight with them every time I bring them on here about he's the not thing I've been agreeing with them with forever? Oh my yeah. God. Have you seen how much money they get in super chats? I mean, it is ridiculous. So, and all the people are completely in line with it. Like, um, <laughs> yeah when uh like you said when scott went on they were all fucking dogging on him so i don't know for him to change his mind it's uh one of the saying i've heard in the nutrition realm a lot is it's hard to get a man to believe something when his whole salary depends on him not believing it so i i get it but you know at, at what point when you say you're anti-war but you're carrying all the pro-war people's talking points and all their water um are you no longer an anti-war person like i said it's just essentially lies by omission which i'm i i can't stand that i can't stand this idea of trying to whitewash the evil that our government has done and i see so many republicans doing this and i got into a twitter spat with um you know some republicans post libertarians over saying that hey people who say that trump there were no wars under trump like you should probably like at least inform them i was told uh, it's a very progressive notion which is silly to me but just the idea that you know when you go to the voting booth or who you're supporting you should know like hey this is the bad this is the good you decide it's not you know we just tell them oh well under trump it was all sunshines and ponies or you know even under biden it was all you know Piece no, 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 no. It's just the spending of the last 22 months that has given us all this inflation, Kyle. Strictly 22. Yeah, 22. <laughs> it's a specific number. But You remember how great 2020 was? Yes. It was awesome. Yeah, we've made a few tweets from LPNH like, if the Republicans win, maybe things will go back to the way they were in November 2020. <laughs> you know, and it's some <laughs> dumbass it. are even commenting like, oh, you guys are Republican shills now. It's like, read the tweet again. Think about it. You know, November 2020. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just say with, uh, you know, speaking of LPNH, I think that it seems to me that one of the things that's so great about you guys is that you've learned from the Trump era and taken actually kind of the good things about it, which is, you know, not playing by the old rules and you know antagonizing people and causing uh you know controversy and getting your name into the media by yeah you know putting up a tweet with megan mccain crying and celebrating it because quite honestly it's something worth celebrating uh, but, <laughs> but, uh Amen. you know but um uh or any of these things that you guys are doing i just think it's great um 
I, I think the you guys are by far the most social media savvy, uh, you know, ancillary of the movement at this point. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think it it's actually worked out where it's not like you, you none of that shit actually hurt us, I don't think. And what we're seeing is basically that, you know, I think it was so great. You guys walking around like you were doing replaying his clip on Fox News to his own audience. Uh, even God damn it. Even, um, you know, ball, the Gulf of Balduke incident really does reveal how big of fucking liars these guys are. Um, and it just I mean, they're really people I think. Uh, are a little hesitant or reluctant to admit that this strategy seems to be working because it seems very unorthodox. It seems like it's, you know, pressing people's buttons and getting people, uh, you know, freak out within like the beltway or, but to be honest with you, I don't care if Justin Amash is offended or uh, some of these, you know, beltway libertarian types. Uh, I've never cared what the editors at reason think about, um, you know, what the, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, etiquette and different things like that soft limits you shouldn't say that that's reprehensible i don't i don't care i think whatever works people are throwing things at the wall right now to see what sticks um and i'm you know we're seeing some great success from lpnh and i think people can learn from that uh it's good because um you know i mean what we saw with trump a lot of people like him just because he was a shit stirrer uh, I mean, those were the, actually, apart from him being a mass murderer of children and a guy who just, you know, spent more money than Obama uh, and or created the bigger, a bigger government than we even had under Obama. This is a, the funny thing about him was his, what he would actually do in the media, getting under the skin of people like Jeb Bush and people like Hillary Clinton and like the liberal establishment. Um, and frankly, the right wing conservative establishment. And quite, and honestly, I think we need to get under the skin of some of these MAGA people who are just as hawkish as the people that they, you know, um, seemingly overthrew. I mean, I love when people are like, well, Trump came in and destroyed the neocons or whatever. That's not <laughs> right. true. It's just a rebrand. And whether or not it's like, I'm not saying it's a big conspiracy theory or anything, but the fact that like James Woolsey and Frank Gaffney, people like this, Elliot Abrams, Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, the fact that they all lined up with him. Um, I mean, those are straight up neocons. Uh, so it's not, and his policies reflect neocon interests. I mean, amping up the new Cold Wars with Russia and China, you know, taking on or ripping up the Iran deal, escalating sanctions, and nearly going to war with Iran. You know, setting records for bombing all these different countries like Somalia, Afghanistan, Yemen. And like you're saying, Kyle, like these are things that I don't think really the uh, the so-called, you know, populist right or the America first right has really come to terms with. Right. It would really mean a hell of a lot if they did, if they said that if they basically called out their guy for all of that stuff and said, we're going to do it differently. We're going to take the good things and the things that we like. And it might even be stuff that we don't support on the domestic front or in the economic front. But if they could be good on foreign policy, man, that would be such an achievement. But right now, I feel like we're kind of um, deceiving ourselves by getting the cart before the horse and assuming that they're just so much better uh, than they really are now. Do you yeah. guys think that MAGA might die now, though? Because they got pummeled in the yeah. in the midterms. And, um, you know, a lot of the candidates that Trump vouched for just really didn't do well and i mean here in new hampshire every candidate he endorsed lost <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know it's not just here that's happened all across the country Pennsylvania. um maybe his time has come like maybe that's it maybe he's done i don't i mean i think that would be a good thing because i don't think he necessarily 
compels people to be better. He's just kind of he almost puts he, the blinders on for a lot of people. He like, puts people into a sense of complacency. That's kind of yeah. what I've always thought with Republicans is that they're in a sense of complacency that he didn't start any new wars and he's not Obama. So we might as well just chug along with him. Um, the only thing that concerns me and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the thing that concerns me about, um, you know, the right wing base moving on from Trump is uh, now the likelihood um of DeSantis being in there is way, way up. And I mean, make no bones about it. That dude is a die in the wool fucking neocon. He's a CIA spook as well. Um, that there's plenty of shady shit that goes on there. And yes, he was good on one issue, one issue. That's it. So do, does that mean he gets, a you know, who straight... was better than him on that one issue Christine who Hill. also did really well in his, uh, reelection campaign. Rand Paul. Yeah. So my question is, like, could there be a realignment taking place here? Like, if Trump is done, you have the guy in Congress who stood up to Fauci, and you have the guy who was a governor who stood up to mm. Fauci. What if they both become... I mean, I know Rand has the charisma of a mudflap, so, you know, he's got a lot working against him. But, I mean, we all have gripes with Rand, but if he became the face of the Republican Party... That's a huge upgrade from, you know, where it has been for yes. sure. Yeah. I don't know if that could happen, but, you know, that's, I think it's possible. I don't know if he. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because over the last couple of years, he really kind of has risen to be a superstar. And uh, when it comes to like the Fauci stuff, because yeah. I mean, you millions of views, everybody's waiting for those clips to come out where he was tearing them a new one. Um, honestly, if that is the future of the Republican Party, I'm very, very optimistic in that regards. Although, you know, make no bones about it. Rand isn't perfect on foreign policy, but leaps and bounds better than mostly everybody else. Um, if that's the new face, I'm all for it. Um, I, I just don't foresee that being it. I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I think it's I feel like since the Republicans like just got kind of doused in cold water with because they thought oh red wave we're gonna absolutely murder everybody and take over everything and they just didn't maybe you know maybe we can insert some energy here like hey look at these guys who did really well because Rand paul even tweeted something out about how he and thomas massey and like every liberty leaning republican That's won by yeah. huge margins um so maybe we can try to goad the republicans in that direction i don't know so, yeah, and we got a race, too, because if DeSantis is, I mean, they've been saying on TV all day, and I'm sure you guys have seen online, oh, yeah. that DeSantis is now taking over the Republican Party. Trump's era is over. It's DeSantis. And if they do go back to DeSantis, that's a full revert back to the George oh, yeah. W. Bush oh, yeah. uh, foreign policy. I mean, on virtually everything, it would be awful. Uh, and we there's no way we can let that happen. I'm not saying he'd be worse than Biden, but there's no way he'd be better. Yeah. I mean, um, and so... Um, yeah, we're we're in a huge race right now, and so that's the thing. Like, build the leverage now, uh, and and I don't know, I don't know how to do it. I'm not, you know, a, a political strategist, but there's there's got to be a way right now. And I think if you lead with the foreign policy issues, and then if you just take, you know, so if you, t I guess you could talk about the COVID issues, and really another thing I think is very important. I don't know much about it, but I think we should raise some hell about um, vaccine injuries. Because it yeah. seems like it's an issue that's tailor-made for our movement. I mean, the liabilities, the corporatism, big pharma, the fact that it was mandated, that people couldn't go back to work, people could go outside unless they got injected with this experimental 
concoction that's you know i mean it's something it's, like, it's killing people making people giving people all kinds of health problems we don't even know what the real effect of this is um so the long-term effect i should say um but somebody should be the political you know the biggest voice for this on the american political stage and i think we should do that obviously with the anti-war movement if you want to do that the fed and this issue plus you know the stuff that we're all so good on uh and that is very important to us you know cops drugs you know taxes um i mean uh we could really make an impact because there's the right wing yeah you're right i mean if they're split right now then this is our opportunity to come back and um again i guess learn from the ron paul movement but we've got i think we got some real momentum behind us now uh, but we shouldn't cede any of it to these people who are corrupted um and yeah we should follow massey and Rand Paul and guys like that i mean this would be but make them better to, or just you know make a stronger version of that movement um yeah. and that's that's really the move here and again just the war in ukraine and this china stuff and inflation seems to me like a really winning yeah so, i mean and then dude rand also the guy who blocked the 40 billion to ukraine so like i mean i'm not against you know deifying rand as i mean even though we have issues with him like deifying him to the republicans like oh, hey yeah. guys here's your guy you know this is the guy who stood up to fauci and he also stood up to the 40 bill to ukraine because that's popular with a lot of republicans oh, and yeah. you know um DeSantis wasn't as good on either of those issues. Like, I mean, he was a governor, so it's a little bit different. But Rand was against COVID restrictions in April of 2020, <laughs> you know, like right. right as everything was coming out. DeSantis, it was like a whole year later before he really started getting any recognition for it. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there's like some goading we can do there. Uh, I, I just wish Rand was like, a foot taller and smiled occasionally and wasn't such a jackass all the time, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so one interesting thing I wanted to get you guys' opinion on, because I, I saw this come up. Um, somebody said that we shouldn't focus on the minor foreign wars and we should focus on the war on the unborn. And I, think it was Andrew from, yeah. po from popular Liberty. Yeah. Uh, uh, to me, that was one of the silliest <laughs> things I ever read, but um. I, I, it is also a microcosm of the idea that we need to focus on the culture war stuff. So, um, and like I said, there's, I feel like there's a place for it and you have people for it. I don't know what the percentage, what the divide is. So um, I guess I'll throw it over to Pat first. Um, where do you think the proper balance lies of culture war versus foreign policy? I don't know. I'm not a culture warrior. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I really am a thin libertarian. I've always been a thin libertarian. Now, personally, I'm conservative. I have conservative values. I was raised as a conservative. Um, but I, I just don't... What One thing I despise and one thing the Bible teaches is to not point out the speck in another's eye and not notice the log in your own eye. And I try to think about that a lot when I live my life. And I just detest it when... When people think that when they judge other people for things that they do themselves, the hypocrisy of that and for thinking that you should use the state to enforce your own social values on another person, I just find that abhorrent. And I think that people should live the best life that they can and set a good example. And that's just my opinion. I have my feelings about 
how how people should spend their money and how they should raise their kids and how they should do things. But I, I mostly keep that to myself because um, God knows I'm not perfect. And I don't think that anyone advocating these values is perfect either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just say that I totally agree with what Pat's saying. And that's the thing, too. Like, that's, you know, taken aside in the culture war in and of itself, actually. You know what I mean? In, in a good way. Uh, not in a uh, binary kind of a way. You know, the other thing, too, is there's some libertarians, like I remember Nick Gillespie, I think Dave covered this on his show, his response to, um, you know, some of these, like uh, the lady who was elected in Italy, talking about her her speech about the cult, what's been happening to the culture was to say that these nationalists and these conservatives are, are um, what do you say, uh, they can't handle... Um, libertarian modernity like taking ownership of the way the culture is now uh in america which is just completely backwards uh we should not be doing that but at the same time i don't see the value in lining up with china hawks who are really good on like fucking um transvestite story hour because i don't care i honestly don't care about transvestite story hour i've never seen it i've heard about it from libs of tiktok but i muted that account because I don't care about these fucking stories. Um, do I think it's weird? Yeah. Do I think the parents taking their kids there are fucked up? Yeah. Do I really care about it beyond that? No. You know, because I don't know. I mean, I'm like like Pat was saying, I'm reading antiwar.com every day. I don't have time to care about those kinds of issues about some lady in blue hair who thinks she uh, is six genders at the same time. It depends on what day of the week it is. Like, that's great. I think that's... I just uh, that people hate that and are frustrated and they're like, oh, this doesn't make sense to me. I, I think we should prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. I think so, too. <laughs> now, we have too many priorities to get through first, but someday, yes. Well, when we do get I mean, if we do get down to the nitty gritty of it, like maybe this will get some respect from the post libs. Um, I, I do think it should be illegal to take children to drag queen shows um, where there's like actually explicit things like that now, but, but I'm not going to sit here and say there aren't statist like, no, I'm just important <laughs> first amendment considerations, especially when it comes to um, like public schools and public spaces and people and things like, so I do have nuanced opinions about this, but at the same time, like, I, I also have been cautioning about like the idea of um, a moral panic because yeah. I I've have sensed that within the last year yeah, and that it, can easily turn into a witch hunt type situation. Yeah, it really seems like it's almost artificially propped up. I was messaging Robbie about this, like it just all of a sudden in the last year just came out of nowhere and you're seeing it everywhere. And I, I think. <laughs> I really don't think it's like a majority. It is like a super small minority of people who take their kids to that stuff. And I think literally all reasonable people agree like that's fucking disgusting. And you there was a lady in like New that. Hampshire. Did you see that going around on Twitter? Kathleen Cavularo or whatever her name was. She lost. <laughs> so uh, she just she just got beaten. But she wanted government funded drag queen story hour. Um, <laughs> and she she. She made a big thing about it. It was really weird, and she lost. So, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, but... so, Reed, uh, yeah, your opinion on uh, where the line should be drawn between culture warrior and foreign policy stuff? Well, um, I mean, I am a culture warrior, but just I, I try to draw the lines in a different way. So, like, 
like I mean through the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, we have created a culture of like fuck the warmongers instead of like fuck I mean we make fun of the liberals too and we make fun of the the conservatives on some stuff but it's mostly like fuck these warmongering pieces of shit like that's the biggest amount of angst you get from us and then we'll you know we'll talk about guns and we'll talk about um I don't know other stuff we'll make fun of the liberals for being woke or whatever but at the end of the day foreign policy is obviously the most important thing and if you put it right in the middle and you make it super important and you put it at the forefront then i don't think you even have to worry about offending people with your cultural stuff unless you've got like really really wacky shit for what you think but if you've got like if you're a conservative and you're super super anti-war i think someone like abby martin is going to be more impressed with you just because you're so anti-war so like abby martin thinks some really weird shit uh socially like i mean yeah she's kind of out there um but i don't care because she's so good on the war stuff and the the spying stuff and you know like all the really important stuff so i feel like that kind of gives you the ability to reach across the aisle and the same with conservatives too like if you're um, you know, if there's an anti-war conservative, he'll be able to look past the legalizing drug stuff and the legalizing sex work or whatever. If you're just really solidly truthful about what it is you believe about war, um, I think people just have more respect for you and the culture war becomes less of an issue almost. I'll just add hating people like John McCain, I think is a great thing for the culture. <laughs> yeah. It's seriously. Bipartisan. When I say I'm not into the culture war or whatever, it's because I am thinking of it as this binary that we've grown up in and has its as it's accelerated. But seriously, having someone like Abby Martin around uh, and making her a huge name in the country would be a fantastic win from my point of view in the culture war, uh, making antiwar.com a huge you know, website like making expanding its reach tenfold would be a major victory in my culture war, the culture war that I would support. Hating the Federal Reserve again as much as it was hated under the Ron during the Ron Paul Revolution, if uh, and more so, that would be a huge win for the culture war. You know, supporting freedom and these things, um, and civil liberties and hating chicken hawks and hating central bankers and hating cops and hating the FBI and the NSA and the CIA. Uh, and the military industrial complex, that's fucking awesome for the culture. Um, but that option is not being presented to us as one is, you know, either the Coke or Pepsi that we are able to choose from. It's either drag queen story hour or Andrew from popular Liberty or something like that. You know that, what I mean? That, that's a pretty, uh, that, that's, I couldn't think of a better binary um, way <laughs> to lay it out. Um, so yeah, if, um, I think we've all had our disagreements and probably a lot more agreements than disagreements with LP leadership. And I know that we pretty much all have their ear, but um, I kind of want to give everybody a open floor to tell them what you think the main thing that we should be focusing on right now, because it, it seems like even after the takeover, it doesn't seem as like, strong as it was kind of marketed so um i i guess we'll start reed you can go first and then pat and then we'll uh, throw it over to connor yeah so i i want to see punching up instead of punching down and punching at each other so 
at Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, we rarely are actually picking on other libertarians or like fighting with other libertarians or punching down at useless people. It's usually, oh shit, LPNH made it into the news again because they said this about whatever, you know. Um, I'd like to see a lot more of that type of stuff. You know, Dave going on Rogan and getting millions of views talking about the war in Russia or the, sorry, the war in Ukraine. Like, I think that type of stuff. Great. Like, I want to see more and more of that. There seems to be still a, like a lot of people give a shit what Archie Flower thinks. Like, who cares? Like, just ignore him, block him, move on. Um, I, I, I want to see people causing chaos with the machine instead of like in the party there's so much chaos in the party and it's just so dumb and not worth the time um also this might be controversial but i think people who want to win soon should run as republicans i'm actually probably going to do that myself in new hampshire i'm going to run for state representative soon and i'm going to do it as a republican and i think the libertarian party has an important role that it can play but I think if people have a vision of, like, becoming the first libertarian U.S. senator, I don't think it's going to happen for a long time. So, and I also don't think a lot of people are going to be able to get elected as a Republican U.S. senator. You know, like, start thinking locally, uh, start thinking about how you can use your local liber libertarian party to activate people to get involved with, you know, even if it's with the local Republican party, if you're allowed to do that in your state or whatever and try to get things moving at a local level and try to shift the culture, try to, you know, activate people into doing something. Um, I'd like to see more. I'd just like to see more action. Like, it seems like it's pretty stagnant. Uh, there's a lot of infighting and nothing's really happening. So push that energy outward to fight with the actual enemy and kind of mobilize people into doing things on the ground, I guess, is what I'd like to see. Cool. Yeah, Pat? Well, you mentioned earlier that you feel like everyone on this call has some kind of connection or sway to libertarian leadership. I don't believe that's the case um, with, with me. And I think maybe it's my fault for not trying to reach out more aggressively, but I don't think that libertarian leadership necessarily really cares what I have to say. So I wish that was different, but um, that's just the way it is. Oh, and uh, you don't have anything you, you think that you would like to see them do? or? Well, I think they should read antiwar.com. They should actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> Based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be my number one suggestion. Uh, they should be reading antiwar.com and the Libertarian Institute. Uh, and I think uh, actually a great thing for the movement would be for Dave Smith to talk to Pat about China. Uh, or Dave DeCamp. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. No, seriously. I've been saying we need to get dave kyle and pat on the show um for a while um but um you know i think the primary thing is you look at what matters to people and so if you look at europe you look at these protests and i've written a few articles about this in for antiwar.com and and if you look at what's going on in the czech republic if you look at the protests in france germany um it you know what we're the common thread that's uniting the left and the right and people throughout uh, Europe, you know, whether they're union workers, farmers, right wingers, left wingers, poor people, uh, you know, whatever, it's all against inflation and it's against the sanctions and it's against the proxy war. Um, 
and what's happening to cost of living, what's happening to energy prices and all these different things. So I think that our move has to be to focus on foreign policy, namely Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. And you can extrapolate with Iran. You can make that all about getting out of the Middle East once and for all. Stop supporting Israel. Stop supporting Saudi Arabia. Stop supporting you. All these Gulf dictatorships, Egypt, and get out the get get out of Yemen. Get out of Syria. Get out of Iraq. Lift all the sanctions on Syria uh, and these other countries, and and make sure that we're we're not an economic war with anybody. That we're trading with people. That we have peace. That we have diplomacy. That we have ex- free exchange, culture exchange, all these different things. And f- if you want to say we're going to lead by example. We have a lot of catching up to do in terms of our uh, moral fiber, but I think we can we can still manage to do that. The American people, and um, but you know the truth is, I think we have to focus on foreign policy, inflation, and you know they. I mean, if you want to, do, it's like a one, two, three thing. I guess you should. It's tough because there's so many other things, but I would just go with the. I would have to say the Federal Reserve. Just go back to doing the Ron Paul method, mm-hmm. you know, because right now would be the best time to do that with the economic crisis i mean jesus christ it's a layup so right now restart the end the fed movement and really start an anti-war movement over this proxy war with russia and make sure that people are alerted to what's going on with taiwan and get the u.s i want u.s out of the south china sea to be a slogan that's known all over the country that's what needs to happen and then i would say defer to jeremy kaufman and and guys like reed on how to get social media attention (laughs) And not worry about ruffling the feathers of whatever, you know, like I said, the editors of reason or um, the Jerusalem know, post. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you're you pressing know, them off, well, they're, our great, the they're one of our greatest allies. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just ask Blake Masters. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I could think of a uh, really a better place to end it on. Um, guys, this has been awesome and I can't wait to share with everybody. So um, if you guys have got any more uh, closing thoughts, we'll uh, do plugs and rock and roll. Yeah, I'm the only Reed Coverdale and the only naturalist capitalist. So just Google either of those and you'll find me. Nice. Pat? Yeah, well, I started uh, rebranded my show. It's now called Vital Descent. It used to be called Liberty Weekly. Um, so I just kind of moved away from the Liberty branding because I think it's important to be teaming up with people from all across the spectrum who oppose war. And so that's the idea of the new project. So vitaldescent.com, libertarianinstitute.org. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, of course. Well, when you said spectrum, I, I thought about libertarians for a second, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Connor, where can everybody find you? Oh, last last thing I'll add is I think that our move is to look at what uh, what I was saying about Europe and how it's uniting the left and the right and do that here, because I think it's I think it should be easy if we just lead the charge on the anti-war movement. Um, there's that is popular enough on both sides that the good people on both sides on the left and the right and in between that we can bring over uh, to support us uh, just the same way Ron Paul did, but on hopefully on a much larger scale even. Um, and, uh, and, but I think we all agree on that. And I don't think we're like the kind of libertarians who are like, well, I won't talk to so-and-so because they believe in socialized healthcare or something like that. You know, Abby Martin or somebody you can see the value in someone being that good on foreign policy. Right. There, of course. You want to work with them uh, and unite with them. But anyway, I am, uh, you know, find all my stuff at the Libertarian Institute, featured articles and news, um, uh, writing more and more news at antiwar.com as well. And uh, always listen to Conflicts of Interest uh, with me, Kyle Anzalone and Will Porter. Um, And um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Freeman's Mind 96. And thank you again, Kyle. This is awesome. I see. I really enjoyed it. So um, 
Yeah, make sure everybody you like, subscribe, and share. I don't know. I I literally plug that every single time at the very end of the show. I don't know why, but um, you know, um, like I said, I'm really pumped to put this out for everybody. So um, I hope everybody enjoyed, and uh, you know, until next time, let's rock and roll. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.